0: This is episode 148 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are, The Ugly Part of Water Purification, The Top 5 Mistakes You Make, Situational Awareness and How to Determine Who Has It and Who Doesn't, and Make Your Own Penetrating Oil. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, just a couple of things, really quick, before we get started. Uh, you know, we were here and we were having a small group uh, a little earlier, and uh, we've heard uh, some big planes fly over the house lately. And I was kind of, you know, hey, what's going on? Uh, you know, someone said that it was uh, they're probably spraying for mosquitoes. Uh, which they have been really, really bad. Well, somebody said that you know a week after all that rain, that, you know we were going to have mosquitoes really bad, and sure enough, that has happened. And uh, so they're they're out spraying. I noticed on uh, our neighborhood uh, Facebook page that they were um, that they had just mentioned that there was going to be spray uh, that they were going to be spraying. Uh, and if you or were concerned about it, to make sure that you stay indoors. And if you're a beekeeper, which um, you know there is a local guy that we get bee, uh, honey from that has some beehives not too far away from here, uh, they said if you if you're a beekeeper and you're worried about your bees, then make sure you cover them up. So of course they're going to say that uh, the spray that they're spraying is, is uh, you know that it's that it's okay and it's been you know approved and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff. But you still have to wonder about it when you're uh, you know when they're spraying that massive stuff out there and killing all those mosquitoes, uh, you know how all that works. and uh, so anyway, that's crazy. I, I guess Florida is going to be dealing with that as well and all the other uh, you know Louisiana and all the other uh, states and I know that a lot of water was was up not just in Florida but in Georgia and some of the other states that were there. I uh, still haven't been able to, to follow up too too much on what's going on over there. Uh, I know things aren't good, but I just uh, just been so busy lately I haven't been able to do too too much uh, you know going into the alternative uh, news uh, sites that I normally do. Uh, one thing that did come across, and this was on Drudge Report uh, the crazy little man in North Korea fired off another another missile over Japan. I mean, it's one thing when you're sending it off into the air and then blowing it up or or just sending it right into the ocean, but when you're sending it over another. Uh, you know, another country. I uh, mean, that's, that's crazy. I mean, it's, it's like, that's like a death wish stuff. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what this, this guy is doing. I don't know what the purpose of it is. Uh, but uh, you can just imagine that uh, there's going to be something. I mean, you know, something's going to happen here. And so just be ready for it. You know, I guess we always stay prepped and aware. But uh, you know, I don't understand what that little crazy man is doing over there. Um, this morning I listened to... Um, um, you know, a prophecy update by Amir Surfati, And uh, if you are into, you, well, I think what is, is kind of crazy is lately people that um, wouldn't even ever bring this up and may, maybe people that I never even considered that were religious or Christian or, or even kind of looked at end time stuff um, have brought up the fact and maybe they're bringing it up to me because they know I'm a minister, I don't know, but bring it and, and want to know what I think Uh, But bringing up the fact is like you and I think the wording was something similar to this is that, you know, with all the fires, all the all the uh, the hurricanes and all the devastation and all the things that are out there, you got to kind of wonder what is going on and uh so you know and that that conversation has happened more than than two or three times for me uh here recently and uh Amir Safadi uh in his prophecy update for September 13th uh he he, does ta- he talks a little bit about that and talks a little bit about what's going on on uh, you know, on the global, you know, one thing we look at, you know, national news and stuff like that. He's looking at it from global, a global standpoint, and uh, I, I did like his analysis this time around and his insights because uh, he is, um, he's uh, ex-military from Israel. I um, mean, he's a he's a minister. He preaches and he talks a lot about prophecy and things like that. If you are into that, and that's something that you're into the end times, or you're so maybe something that you're not uh, completely familiar with, but you'd like to get a little bit more information on, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and link to this in the show notes. Uh, you know his uh, current events and Bible prophecy update. He does have a YouTube channel, Behold Israel, uh, and you can get him on, uh, you, you know, you can of course YouTube, you can Twitter and all that kind of stuff, uh, Facebook. He does a lot of Facebook live videos as well, so. But if you're interested in that, he talks a lot more uh, than just about natural disasters. Uh, but uh, again, I, I really did like his analysis and his commentary on what's been going on recently in the world. So you might want to go check that out. Hey, uh, I've been talking about the Back to the Basics Living Summit. You still have some time uh, when you're when you're checking this one out. It is September 14th. This is the Friday podcast. Uh, so you still have two more days worth of that. So. Um, you know what will happen is if you go register uh, they will send you out links to be able to watch all the um, you know all the presenters for that day and it goes from 8 o'clock that morning till 5 o'clock the next morning so uh, even if you're listening to this on Friday morning Friday afternoon you still have if you register and they send out that email right away you still have time to look at the presentations that you're interested in and so uh, I am going to link to uh, that you know, the uh, the page where you go and you input all your you know your first name and your email and all that kind of stuff, and uh, so you might want to go check that out over at um, the, the back door. I'm sorry, the the Back to Basics Living Summit. Uh, you know, it's interesting. It's fr- it's a free summit, and so get a lot of good information over there. All right, so uh, I do have some uh, some cool articles, like always. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started. Our first article comes to us from Survivalpedia.com. And uh, again, the article is entitled "The Ugly Part of Water Purification: The Top Five Mistakes You Make." Water purification or water dealing with water is one of the 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 big topics. It's one of the ones that uh, if you ever join the um, the email list, um, right? You join the email list and you get the you know you automatically get enrolled into uh, the the free e-course, make a more self-reliant life. But uh, while that e-course is loading up for you and it's getting sent out to you, I sent an email out that uh, it's kind of it's an automatic email, but it asked if you would fill out this survey. And, uh, you know, so it kind of asks you It's just two questions. What you know, how long have you been prepping and uh, how long or what is the most important, you know, uh, aspect uh, in regards to preparedness for for you, and water is one of those big ones that a lot of people, uh, you know, say that that is their big preparedness uh, uh, thing that they're that they're uh, considering and, and and that maybe that they're worried about. Um, and uh, so uh, when I see a, a, a good article on water, I want to link to it. I want to definitely bring it up on on the podcast. So let's go ahead and get into this one. Uh, I think this is one that you uh, you might want to go out and actually print this one out. So here we go. Water is part of the survival triad, water, food, and shelter. You can only live for about three days without it, and even after 24 hours, you start experiencing physical and cognitive decline. Right now, it's easy to turn on the tap and get fresh, clean water, but even without a SHTF situation, many of us are doing what we can to live off the grid. I've written several articles on collecting rainwater and purifying water, and now I'd like to discuss how to make sure that your water is safe to drink. Water purification is a, is a primary skill that you need to have even if you don't know much about other facets of survival because if you don't have clean water, you'll die. It's that simple. The EPA warns that as much as 90% of all of the water on the planet is contaminated in some way, so this is becoming a bigger issue for many of us who are trying to get off the grid. Even rainwater can be contaminated and it's best to assume that all groundwater needs purified. Even though being able to purify water during daily life and in an emergency situation is critical, you need to do it right. Improperly purified water can be just as fatal but much more miserable than having no water at all, so be sure not to make these mistakes. Mistaking water filtering and water purification. There are many water filters out there. There's a good chance that you have one in your fridge right now. But don't make the mistake of thinking that filtered water is the same as purified water. Most water filters do exactly what they say. They filter out physical impurities such as debris min- minerals and pollutants such as insecticides. Most of them don't purify the water, though, because illness-causing microbes are too small to be caught in the filter, nor are the filters designed to kill them. Your water may look clean and clear and delicious, but it may also be deadly. There are only two ways to ensure that your water is pure, heat and and chemicals, not getting water hot enough. Though pathogens start to die as the water heats at at 160 degrees Fahrenheit to be exact, there are many diseases causing bacteria and viruses that won't die until the water reaches the boiling point of 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Keeping that in mind, you need to maintain a roiling boil for at least one minute and three is better, especially at higher elevations. If you're short on water and worry about losing it to evaporation, putting a lid on the pot will help with that. Then just leave it covered until it cools. Using chemical purification incorrectly, there are a few uh, there are a few ways that you can mess up chemical purification. First, you can use too much. This is most definitely not a case of more being better because whether you're using iodine, sodium, hypochlorate, which is bleach, or calcium hypochlorate, Chlorite, which is pool shock too much of it can make you sick or even kill you if you're using iodine use 5 drops per quart for clear water and 10 drops per quart if cloudy if you're using bleach use 5 drops per quart for clear water and 10 drops per quart if cloudy if you're using calcium hypochlorite dilute a teaspoon of the powder in a gallon of water then add 2 2 thirds ounces of that to a gallon of water a small shot glass is useful because it usually holds one ounce so again that was two-thirds ounce of that to a gallon of water not two-thirds cup just in case you're maybe you're listening and you're taking notes it's two-thirds ounce of that to a gallon of water all right so there are also a few things to keep in mind when choosing your water purification method liquid bleach has a shelf life of six to twelve months so it expires and loses its strength. Pool shock keeps forever, and a one-pound bag will treat ten thousand gallons. Uh, guys, you can get a one-pound bag uh, like at Walmart, at Home Depot, at Lowe's. Uh, they're not very expensive. One-pound bags, they might be like uh, seven dollars, six ninety-nine, uh, depending. You can definitely get them on, you know, off of Amazon. So, uh, you know, if one pound will treat ten thousand gallons. That might be something that you might want to include in your preps now uh, we do own a pool. My dad has uh, was uh, before he retired was in the pool business owned a pool uh, company uh, his um, his uh, backyard was not big enough for a pool so he uh, he called in a lot of favors uh, he did really good business the people loved them so they uh, they gave him really great deal to put a pool in our backyard and so one thing that I will tell you is that uh, some of the chemicals with pool that, that you will be dealing with if you own a pool are very corrosive. And so, uh, you know, if you have, uh, there's, you know, horror stories of people who have uh, kept their uh, pool, pool chemicals around like their, uh, their air condition outside. And just because it was around there, started eating into the metal and eating into uh, some of their, their pipes and ruined it. Or some people have talked about maybe their water heater. They kept them in the garage and it wasn't ventilated very well. Um, and so, you know, that's something to consider when you are dealing with chemicals. And so, uh, especially pool chemicals and corros- you know how corrosive they are. You might want to put them in a very tight sealed uh, container. Uh, airtight container so uh, they they won't go out there and corrode any you know important things that you have uh, water heaters or whatever pipes or whatever you might have out there so I just wanted to kind of give you that that information because if you don't if you're not familiar with that uh, you know that can be a very costly mistake if you're not paying attention okay so uh, iodine makes the water taste weird but if you let it sit for an hour, you can add vitamin C or tang drink mix or something similar to eliminate most of the bad taste after the purification period is up. Make sure that if you're using bleach or pull shock that the product is pure without any additional additives such as perfumes. Let the water sit for at least 30 minutes before drinking. Uh, one more thing, uh, I'm talking about pull shock. There might be some pull shock that you have like maximum strength you might have like regular pull shock, so you kind of wanna you you want to get just the regular pull shock when you're looking at that. And uh, again, you need to go check out the uh, the article that Gay wrote over at Backdoor Survival, and uh, I have read that before on the on the podcast. And uh, actually, I'll, I'll go ahead and link to it in the the mention mentioned. Uh, mentioned in this podcast uh, section so that you can go ahead and go check that one out as well because she gives some advice about pool shock that you need to be uh, taking care of and, and picking up. So you, you, don't, you might not want you know, maximum strength pool shock. Uh, you, you're going to want probably the, the regular strength pool shock when you're talking about that. All right, continuing on. Cross-contamination. This one seems like it may be simple, but it's easy to recontaminate purified water. Make sure that you don't use the same containers or utensils for the clean water that you used before it was purified. In other words, don't gather the water from a stream in your water bottle, boil it, then put it back in your bottle. You just recontaminated your water and wasted time and fuel. If you're purifying in your bottle, make sure to pour some of the chemical into the lid and around the threads or the mouth of the container. Failing to Purify and Filter This is another reason that you need to understand that filtering and purifying are two different processes. You need to purify your water to rid it of illness causing pathogens, but you need to purify it to remove chemical toxins such as fertilizers and insecticides. Of course, it also removes any other debris such as sand, rocks, and minerals. It doesn't really matter what order you do it in, but I recommend filtering first, then purifying just because it's cleaner and there's less risk of cross-contamination. Either way, strain water that has visible debris in it before you purify it or filter it. Run it through a coffee filter or a densely woven cloth such as a bandana. Just a note, chemical purification is most effective if the water is at least 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Studies show that, uh, that at 50 degrees, only 90% of Giardia cysts will inactivate it, were inactivated after 30 minutes warm up the water in the sun or after it cools a bit from purifying or let the water sit for an hour. Failing to purify your water can cause such diseases as cholera, E. coli, rotavirus, hepatitis, staphylococcus, uh, Cryptosporidium, and giardia. Sorry on that, Uh, getting tongue-tied. These cause everything from upset stomach and cramps to severe vomiting, diarrhea, and even death in order in other words it's nothing to mess around with unless you want to die a slow miserable death don't put your life at risk you you need only clear water to stay safe all right so a uh, good article there i think it really nails the uh, the difference between purification and filtering and uh, talks about the, you know the ways to do that gives you some uh, some clear um, you know action steps as far as you know what if you're going to use iodine bleach or you're going to start using uh, you know, shock, um, you know those kinds of things. So uh, Good Water, you might want to go back and revisit this one. This one does have links that you, uh, that you might want to go click on. Uh, there's uh, a few, uh, a few um, comments here, about eight comments in here that you might want to check out. And like I said, I always think it's a good idea to read the comments. Um, you, all, you can always learn more you know, information uh, when you're reading those comments. So go check that out at, over at survivalpedia.com, and we will, like always, link to it at uh, the Prepper website podcast and also in the show notes. All right, our next article comes to us from skilledsurvival.com. The article is entitled Situational Awareness, How to Determine Who Has It and Who Doesn't. Uh, we recently talked about uh, situational awareness in your in your hometown earlier this or in your own local neighborhood it was an article that i wrote at ed that matters and we read it on the podcast uh earlier this week and so uh, you might want to go check that one out but this one on situational awareness is just an overall good general article and uh, to give you some really good information on that and so i'm um, looking forward to, to talking about this one if you're new to preparedness or even if you are, are uh, experienced in preparedness Situational awareness is something that you're, you should be, you, you don't want to become lax in it. It's easy to, you, you, you start out, you know, with the with mindset of you're being aware and you're paying attention to what's going on and uh, eventually, you know, you start to become a little bit lax and so articles like this help us to, to really get down to, uh, hey, you know what, or it gets, gets us to remember that we need to be vigilant at all times. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, get into this article. Have you ever seen someone smiling when things are going very wrong all around them? I've heard it said. He's smiling because he doesn't fully understand just how royally bleep we are. I also once overheard a question and answer between two ex-military friends of mine. What would you do if you knew a Soviet ICBM was inbound at your location? The answer? I'd place my head between my legs and kiss my butt goodbye. There's no getting away from that. These are two examples of situational awareness. The smiling guy has none, versus the military guys have about as much as one can. The definition of situational awareness. So, what exactly is situational awareness, often shortened to the acronym SA, pronounced SA? Situational awareness is fully and comprehensively understanding one's surroundings, environment, and situation. Full situational awareness includes the following the current level of danger, the level of difficulty, support, obstacles in the way, exit locations, contributing factors, etc. If you have good situational awareness, you know the actual score. If you have poor situational awareness, you're mostly lost. Lost people are of little help unless the goal is to get lost or disappear and even then they may not have the situational awareness to do it successfully. It's important to know that Know this about someone before you find yourself in an emergency situation with them for two primary reasons. He will be of little to no help, and he may not even realize the situation is life or death, which can be worse than no help. How to Recognize Someone Lacking SA We've all known people who possess poor situational awareness. Most of us can think of at least one person out there we've dealt with that just doesn't get it. You wonder, if you could see through this person's eyes, would even the sky still be blue or the grass green? When speaking with this person, this person eye contact is fleeting and unfocused. In fact, unfocused describes this person very well in many respects. When they occasionally do meet your stare, you see the utter confusion, and oddly enough, you might see it when there's no apparent reason to be confused. I knew one military guy who had these attributes, the 100-yard stare and brief confused eye contact, plus constant comments which indicated he didn't fully understand what was going on around him. While that 1,000-yard gaze might be a symptom of poor situational awareness, it mustn't be confused with something else. I've known guys with that same unfocused gaze always staring off into space. However, they would come back with the absolute right answer at the right time. That's called being contemplative. Some people stare off into space and, As they formulate the best answer or strategy, it helps them focus on the task at hand, to look away and focus on something in the distance or even close their eyes. So how do you tell the difference? The guy or gal with poor situational awareness either won't come back with an answer because they're disengaged and not thinking, or even worse, they'll come back with a terrible idea and sometimes not just bad but not even relevant. Do bad ideas prove a lack of situational awareness? Yes and no. Having finely tuned sense of situational awareness doesn't mean you all, you're always right. A person who is actually aware of their situation can still have very poor judgment. However, a bad idea due to a lack of situational awareness tends to reflect an entire misunderstanding of the problem. One must understand the problem to be able to solve it correctly. And fully understand the problem is what we're talking about here. That's what essay is. Words, conversation, nouns, verbs, adjectives. These are some of the best indicators of situational awareness. When you converse with someone about a problem, you can tell right away if they understand it. You know almost immediately if you are on the same page. You can hear it in their words and see it on their face. Well-timed humor can also come into play here. A well-played curse word or morsel of sarcasm is sometimes the best indicator someone completely understands the situation. By the way, if that sarcasm doesn't make sense to you, one of you doesn't fully understand what's going on. Hopefully, it's not you. How do you know if you've got situational awareness or not? Warren Buffett once said, If you've been playing poker for half an hour and you still don't know who the patsy is, you're the patsy. This brings up another problem. We all want to be able to identify who among us has good situational awareness, but how do we know if we do? Most times, the guy with poor situational awareness doesn't even realize it. This is a tough one. It can come from inside. Validation of this fault must be external. The only advice I can give here is to seek out the counsel of someone you trust, someone you deem to be wise with good situational awareness and sound judgment. Maybe they have good insight about politics, technology, entertainment, sports, international affairs. Whatever you typically discuss If you find yourself understanding where he or she is coming from, you most likely have good situational awareness. You may not agree with his or her opinions, but you understand them. That's the key. People with good situational awareness won't always agree on solutions to problems, but they share a common understanding of the problem. Now, if you find you don't have good situational awareness, and this is a difficult thing for anyone to admit, you have a problem. Most people will never admit it because they don't realize they do not see things as they really are. It's very difficult to recognize it in oneself. But, on the other other side, chance you do recognize it, what can you do? Can situational awareness be learned? Simply put, yes, but with great effort. Usually, I'd say you either have good situational awareness or you don't. I've never known anyone to gain it suddenly. However, we are humans and we can learn new behaviors. People with good situational awareness naturally see things as they are. They recognize patterns and create paradigms in their thinking automatically with little conscious effort. It's a gift. However, someone who does not have the gift can work on it and develop it, at least in theory. What's going on in the world? First of all, quite often poor situational awareness comes from not being versed on what's going on in the world. A person striving to develop better situational awareness needs information. In the old days, I'd, I'd tell this person to watch the news or read a newspaper every day, so you know what's going on out there. However, with the state of journalism today, there can be no assurance you aren't going to be ingesting a pack of lies. There is, no such, so, much, there is so much opinion, gossip, mudslinging, and downright lies in the media today, you can never be sure what's the truth. The internet is no help either. You can find news stories that say Arctic ice is melting at record levels and also find stories that say satellite imaging shows Arctic ice is growing faster than ever before in history. You would be led to believe no president until Trump has ever threatened nuclear retaliation if the other side launches first. He didn't make a threat. He just dropped nukes on the enemy. Twice. If you read the media today, you'd think the KKK has a huge political force in American politics when in reality their membership is estimated to be more like 3,000 clan members, a microscopic fraction of the 300 million Americans. News stories today all have political agendas designed to hurt someone, both from the left and the right. There's no more objective fact-telling. You have to establish your own BS filters. The Great World Wide Web is a fantastic resource because it holds all the information of mankind, both right and wrong, which also makes it nearly useless. Educate yourself, but take everything with a grain of salt. In fact, the craziness you see in the news should help form useful paradigms. Learning patterns of media madness may hopefully help you recognize BS in the future. That can only help improve your situational awareness. Other forms of education to improve situational awareness include human physiology, survival skills, nutrition, technology, computers, firearms, political science, economics, banking, systems of government, World and U.S. history, and so on and on. The more you learn, the more you read, the more patterns and paradigms will form in your mind. Over time, situations will become better defined, and you'll recognize them as they happen. And I would, I would uh, stress here, and I know that he's already kind of talked about it. Talked about it. But find someone that you, he, he said find someone that you trust, and so uh, you start to, uh, for instance, you know, maybe you listen to podcasts and uh, there's, a, there's someone out there that you, you trust, and you start to listen to them, and you start to, to understand their way of thinking and their way of analyzing things, right? And so when you, uh, maybe there's a big situation that comes up, and you see on the podcast notes that they're going to be talking about something, and maybe in your mind you start thinking, hey, how is this person, how would this person respond to this situation, and you kind of run it through your filters and run it through your head, and then you can listen to that podcast and see if they uh, if they come up with the same kind of, kind of ideas and stuff like that and so uh, I do that uh, very regularly you know it's like okay so and so is talking about this you know I wonder how they would um, you know how they're gonna come across. Uh, you know, the situation. I wonder what their analysis is going to be, what their commentary is going to be, and try to process through that just a little bit before I actually listen to it and to see if I, I was right in the way that they would process it or not. So uh, you can kind of check yourself on that, um, you know, thinking and how other people are, are processing things as well. Alright, so let's go on. A situational awareness example. Here's an example a man's car breaks down on a little traveled road in the Mojave Desert. He sees a road sign that says next service station 15 miles. He thinks to himself, I can walk 3 to 4 miles an hour. That means I can be there in roughly 4 to 5 hours. In this case, he has just enough situational awareness to be dangerous. Yes, he knows it will be a long walk. He knows he can walk for 4 to 5 hours because he's done that in the past. Great. So, how does this essay come up short? He doesn't consider the fact that it's 105 degrees Fahrenheit in the shade. There is no shade. There is no cloud cover, and he has no water. He doesn't realize that the moment his car died, a biological stopwatch started. A countdown clock until the end of his life. A gallon of water would add time to that clock. Shade from the sun would add time to that clock. Shelter in the day and traveling at night would add time to the clock. Walking with no cover in the heat of the day takes time off the clock. He starts off on his journey and is found dead along the road three miles short of his goal. As I said before, good situational awareness is not the same as good judgment. However, it's the starting point for good judgment. You can't make a good decision, develop a good solution to a problem, until you have the problem well defined. That means recognizing things that help as well as hurt. We often tend only to consider the negative, but, cons- but good situational awareness also identifies assets and how they can help. In some cases, during my analysis of what I thought was a problem, I found many positive influences already lined up against the problem. It turned out the problem was no problem after all. No intervention was needed for me. My good situational awareness prevented me from wasting more time on an issue that was already solved. In some cases, too much situational awareness can be a problem. These people tend to be paranoid. They understand their situation but mentally extrapolate dire consequences that may never occur. What about too much situational awareness? Too much situational awareness can lead to mental breakdown. For example, I have found most women have struck the right balance of situational awareness. I was in a restaurant with my wife one evening, and we were talking about men scoping women in public. Men who steal those quick glances when an attractive woman walks by. You know, those glances that will get you in trouble with your own wife if caught. She said she was going to the restroom, and I chose that moment to make my point. I told her at least a half dozen men would steal a glance at her derriere on the walk to the restroom. She said I was crazy. She knew men stole those glances at women, but not at her and not at all all the time. Confidently, she got up and walked to the restroom. And I saw at least a half dozen men turn uh, turn turn their gaze her way as she passed. She never noticed a single one. She has situational awareness. She's not oblivious but not too much of it maybe it's a mental defense mechanism i mean if women they went if, if i mean if women went through their lives knowing every innocent stroll across the room would lead to a dozen men fantasizing about them it would drive one crazy situational awareness for survival first of all do your best to self assess try to figure out if you have good or bad situational awareness you can only improve if you admit you have room for improvement if you have bad situational awareness, then I recommend you start working on it. Practice assessing problems and then coming up with answers. Then compare your analysis against someone you trust, someone who gets it. If you're blessed with good situational awareness, the best thing you can do is to avoid those who don't. Not much worse than ending up in a dangerous survival situation with an ignorant dolt. They won't just not help the situation, but they could become a serious liability. So keep an eye out for those with low or no situational awareness and beware of them. If you ever recognize someone like this, make some adjustments your, to your own situation. Stay away, just in case, Jack. So there's a couple of comments here that you can come check out, and then uh, of course there's links throughout the the article that you'll want to check out. But uh, again, situational awareness is one of those things that you should practice. You should think about. You should be aware not only of what's going on, uh, you know, in your situation at all times. You know, your local. Your, your local situation but also the global aspect that's why uh you know i i i love reading alternative news uh you know and you know one of my i'm a double major so my my first major i went to school was fruit was for christianity right uh my second major is in journalism or, or uh, mass media and uh so yeah I went to school and we did a lot of journalism. My my professor that really she really nailed down journalism. She she came from the old school hard news. Um, USA Today was starting to you know gain some popularity and the fluff pieces were starting to gain some popularity, but they weren't taken seriously. And so her thing was all about hard news. And so uh, as things have progressed, things have really really changed, and that hard news is just it's not valued anymore but uh, that's one reason why I think the alternative news um, the alt news hub on prepper website is a very uh it's it's a popular page it's the most popular page uh, other than the front page of prepper website and so if you've never gone there before, you might want to go check that out because we uh actually i've added, just just recently i've added two other um, two other alternative news sources there. So if you haven't been for a while, you can go check those out. But there's a lot there to kind of keep you busy. And so if you if you go to one place, if you want a one-stop shop for alternative news, that's definitely the place to go. You might want to even bookmark that one. So uh, that's, uh, I'll, uh, I'll uh, link to that one in the show notes uh, as well. All right, so that's skilledsurvival.com. Um, our uh, last article comes to us from preparednessadvice.com. On Fridays, I like to find uh, an article in the archive and bring it up. Uh, This one was written or released in January 20 January of 2013, so it's uh, it's an older article, uh, really old out there. Uh, I guess when you when you think about articles, especially since we're we're uh, linking to articles every single day, but this article is entitled "Making Your Own Penetrating Oil." And so you might be like Todd, really? Um, you know what? What the heck? Um, I'm just going to squirt some WD-40 or some liquid wrench in there. Um, but this is very interesting, and so you might want to uh, to check this one out because this is a homemade brew that seems to work better than anything else on the market. And so when we're talking about um, when we're talking about, you know, SHTF scenarios or we're talking about situations where you don't go to the store anymore and buy your WD-40 or whatever, this might be the solution that you want. You might want this solution right now, actually, because it supposedly works better than anything else. So let's go ahead and read this one again. Like I said, preparednessadvice.com. And the, the title is Make Your Own Penetrating Oil. This is a short article, but it's one that you're probably going to want to go and, uh, and uh, make sure that you get, get this one down if you want to make it. So here we go. In case of a major change in our lifestyle that resulted in a collapse of society, we would be forced to improvise many things that we now take for granted. Just simple things like loosening a rusty bolt would be a challenge to many of us, not being experienced mechanics. Yesterday, a friend sent me information on a study performed by Machinist Workshop Magazine in their April 2007 issue. They looked at different penetrating oils to see which one did the best job. Of removing a rusted bolt by measuring the pounds of torque required to loosen the bolt once treated they arranged a subjective test of all the popular penetrants, with the control being the torque required to remove the nut from a scientifically rusted environment penetrating oils average torque load to loosen so no no oil used it took 516 pounds wd-40 238 pounds PB Blaster 214 pounds, Liquid Wrench 127 pounds, Cano Croil, 100 Croil, 106 pounds, and ATF Acetone Mix 53 pounds. The ATF mentioned above is automatic transmission fluid, not a federal agency. The ATF Acetone Mix is a home brew mix of 50/50 automatic transmission fluid and acetone. Now, this homebrew released bolts better than any commercial product in the one particular test. In some additional comments that I found while double checking on the article, I found that with some of the new ATF fluids, it is hard to get a good mix. However, if you add a small amount of diesel oil to the mixture, this will help. Alright, so uh, very, very interesting there. Um, let's see here. There's uh, one, one comment. Again, this is an old article. Um, I'm going to read this comment here. Interesting history note about mixing oils and fuel. On the eastern front, the Russian winter is an enemy in its own right. The Russians had a practice of mixing their weapon oil and grease with diesel fuel. This was to extend the supplies and they found out that diesel fuel helps prevent mechanical freezing. The Germans didn't pick up on this and they had a much higher rate of weapon freeze at the worst possible time than the, their Soviet opponent good little information there so um, see so the ATF so automatic transmission fluid with acetone and then a small amount of diesel oil uh, to uh, to the mix will uh, do this and that a, that's a big time uh, big, big time change in or uh, ratios there. Going from 516 pounds with no oil to this, you know, 53 pounds with this mix that we're talking, this home, uh, this homegrown uh, or brew mix, and uh, you know, the the one that's above the 53, I mean, it's it's almost double that, 106 pounds. So you know, if you have a situation where you have uh, some rusty uh, screws or you need some help getting, uh, you know, some, some things to uh, to break on you. Uh, some some bolts nuts and bolts to break on you uh, that might be something worthy to uh, to do Uh, maybe maybe even put in a spray bottle I don't even know if that would work but maybe put in a spray bottle that uh, where you can spray it in a in a you know in a steady stream in a real solid stream um, that that could possibly work so anyway um, very interesting article those of you that are a little bit more hands-on uh, and uh, you know, there's always times where I remember this one time we were up at the up at the country when we were younger. Dad had another place uh, that uh, we had uh, close to Palestine, Texas, and uh, the the hog, the, the the bush hog got stuck, or the 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 gear that goes out to the tractor got stuck, and we could not get it off for to save our lives. And uh, we used everything that we had, and finally, you know, pounding on it, and then with all the the different oils that we use, uh, finally broke loose, but it took a long time. And maybe having this, uh, this little mix right here, uh, could have done, you know, could have been a, a, a big lifesaver in that situation. All right. So again, like I said, preparednessadvice.com. Uh, Hey, thanks so much for, uh, being with us this week. I uh, really enjoyed it. Had a great week, a lot of great articles. Uh, like always, if, uh, the, the podcast is not fulfilling your, your preparedness needs, and you're looking for more great articles. Make sure you come over to the prepperwebsite.com, um, not the prepper website. Prepperwebsite.com. Uh, we, uh, we, we post articles every single day, and there's no way that I could get to all, all of them. They're all really good, and you want to go and check those out. And so uh, plenty, plenty of stuff. To, uh, to keep you busy if you're, uh, new to preparedness and you're wanting to learn, uh, a lot of good stuff over there. So, uh, hey, if you get a chance, come out and share the, you know, the episode, episode 148 with your friends. We make it really easy for you, uh, on, uh, the website, theprepperwebsitepodcast.com, uh, you know, to share that out on all the different social media, uh, channels that are out there. And, uh, I love to connect with you. So if you get a chance to, uh, you know, drop me a line. That would be great. You can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, And even now, I'm a little bit more active on YouTube since I'm doing the videos. Uh, I'm recording the videos as I'm doing the podcast and throwing these up on uh, on YouTube. Uh, Usually, it's the next morning because I need to let it upload and do all the things that it's doing but uh, so I'm a little bit more active on YouTube over there or you could always come to the website theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and drop me a line on episode 148 so uh, hey hope you have a great weekend hope you get uh, to spend some time with the family or your special loved one hope you get uh, get out and get some fresh air don't breathe the insecticide that they're dropping from the airplanes if you live in houston that sucks but uh, those of you that are out there go get some fresh clean clean air and enjoy the weekend with that choose to live a more self-reliant life choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind until next week stay prepped and aware peace